Amen. So as I said, today's the first day of Advent, and um, we, uh, we're starting with the theme, Worship Fully, as Heather referenced during worship in song. And uh, I think it's appropriate that we do that uh, because we're coming out of Thanksgiving. You know, I have a spiritual mother who said to me that Thanksgiving is the gateway to worship. And uh, a spiritual father uh, of mine who spoke at my ordination who said, you know, Thanksgiving and praise, that's one level. He said, but worship is the next level. When we get into the context of his face and experience his manifest presence together for that is the goal. Well, a couple weeks ago, I felt led to um, the text uh, of Psalm 84. Uh, And so if you want to open up to that, it'll also be on the screen for those who are here this morning. But for those who are online, uh, Psalm 84, and uh, give you a minute there, and let's read together. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God, O Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen. Amen. You can clap for that, huh? God is good. Um, And, you know, we worship God fully by cultivating a spiritual hunger and consecration to him. We worship God fully by pursuing Him for our wholeness and for our strength. We worship God fully by pursuing Him in community. And we worship God fully by habitually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to unpack how we do these things, how we worship God fully this morning. But before I do, I want to talk about why do we worship God? And why do we contend for worshiping Him fully? The short answer is that He's worthy, right? It's in the word worship in its meaning to posture our hearts toward God. God is worthy of our affection. He's worthy of our attention. He is worthy, period. Um, <laughs> he's worthy. And we just did some of that, right? We weren't just thanking Him for what He's done. We were worshiping Him for who He is. And I'm reminded uh, by verses like, Lord, we ascribe to You the glory, do Your name. 
when anytime you see your name in the Old Testament, it means who he is, his name, his nature, his character, his person. Uh, we worship you in the splendor of your holiness. We are adoring you, O oh God. We're lifting you up because of who you are. And so, we, why do we worship him fully? Because he's worthy. Uh, the author of this psalm are the sons of Korah. They wrote about ten psalms. And the sons of Korah, uh, their father, uh, their forefather, Korah, you may know from a story earlier in the Scriptures. Korah led a rebellion against God's anointed leader, Moses. And um, just like Satan had done with the Lord, he exalted himself and tried to rebel against the Lord before the Lord cast him down um, to the earth. Korah did the same to Moses. And so uh, the Lord actually um, opened up the earth and swallowed Korah in a pit. Um, Pretty dark, huh? But uh, the Scriptures say that his sons were spared. Can't you hear the sons of Korah rehearsing uh, centuries later? Lord, you heard our cry and you spared us from the pit, pun intended. I mean, here though, where they're not just giving thanks, they are worshiping because they are in relationship with this covenantal God who keeps both sides of the covenant and who spared them in his great mercy. And I, a theologian and mentor of mine said that these sons of Korah would carry the holy furniture as a sign to them um, when the people of God would move from place to place. He said they were warriors, they were prophets, they were revivalists. And um, we see them as revivalists here, right? They're singing in the Spirit. For all Scripture is God-breathed. And they're singing this song to the Lord inspired by the Holy Spirit. They love God's manifest presence. One psalm that they wrote, Psalm 45, in it says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions. These sons of Korah had a revelation of the Father's goodness because they had a revelation of Jesus Christ himself. This is a messianic psalm right here where they're singing about Jesus himself. You might say, how can they be singing about Jesus in the Old Testament? But how many of you remember that Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. And he said, everything written about me by the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And also it says of him that he's not just the descendant of David, but the root of David. Indeed, these sons of Korah are not just sons of Korah, they're sons of God by faith. One commentator puts it, to feel His love, to rejoice in our most holy Savior, to survey His promises, to feel the power of the Holy Ghost in applying precious truth to the soul is a joy with which true believers are ravished. And can't you hear that in this psalm, Psalm 84? These sons of Korah are hungering and thirsting 
for more. And we can relate to them, can't we? I mean, how many of you are glad, number one, that the Lord didn't treat us according to our family line's failures? How many of you are glad that God didn't treat you according to your failures? I am. (laughs) I mean, for me. (laughs) And for you. (laughs) How many of you are glad or have experienced the goodness of the Lord as these sons of Korah have and are hungering and thirsting for more? And for those of you who haven't experienced that yet, let that stir hunger in you and not jealousy because the Lord's no respecter of persons. Keep seeking Him, and you will experience His power and His presence. Hunger begets filling, and filling begets hunger. You might say, well, Steve, which one is it? Hunger leads to filling because God promises to fill the hungry with good things. And filling leads to hunger because when we're filled with His love, we're so satisfied, we can't not want more. Hunger is a key to worshiping fully. And as with these sons of Korah uh, who saw Jesus, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And brothers and sisters, when we've seen the Father, we begin to experience, as we were moments ago together, His goodness more deeply. And we begin to trust Him more and more. And we begin to get a revelation of our sonship, our daughtership, as we experience His goodness, His fatherhood more fully. And when we do that, we can begin to surrender more and more to love. Surrender more and more to Him. The Bible says, present yourselves as a living sacrifice This is your reasonable act of worship. We're talking about worship fully today. Presenting our very lives in surrender. The more we get in touch with His goodness, the more easy that is to do. And so, um, in order to worship God fully, we need to not just cultivate spiritual hunger, but cultivate spiritual consecration. Um, Last week, John... Weber talked to us a little bit about the wilderness experience. And, um, you know, I'm reminded that uh, the late John Wimber said that the Holy Spirit's role is unction and blessing, you know, to, to guide us, to, to direct us, to lead us, and to, he's predisposed to bless us. And our role is consecration, to set ourselves apart to God in worship. And about eight years ago, the Lord began to do this deeper work in my life. He was leading me into the wilderness. (laughs) And as He led me into the wilderness, um, I began in that, really like that dry season, but it was a place of desperation where the Lord could begin to do a new work in me. (laughs) And um, so in that dry place, he began to surface things in me that began to bother me for the first time. It's not that they weren't already there. Um, but he began to surface in me sensual desires that were unhealthy. Uh, he also began to uh, surface in me uh, approval of man and false places that I was getting my sense of worth. Um, and 
in that place, he was teaching me. Actually, one of the ways he taught me at that time was through this uh, documentary called Into the Silence uh, about contemplative prayer. It was about the uh, Carthusian monks who, from a monastery in France who took a vow of silence. And you basically just watch them be silent throughout this whole documentary, <laughs> just doing things and praying and going about the Anyway, but the, the reason it appealed to me at that time is because of what God was doing inside me. Um, he was quieting my heart, and it was the first time things were quiet in a long time. And as he did that, he began to break off those branches of sensual desires and of uh, approval of man, and he began to uproot uh, ungodly beliefs and fears. And the Lord began to heal me. And he filled me with his spirit uh, for the first time in my journey. And uh, the valley of Baca in this passage signifies a dry place, a wilderness place, even a place of difficulty or sorrow. You see, the word Baca means weeping, but it's referring to the weeping trees that would be in that valley, literally. And these trees were able to grow in this dry place, despite this dry place. And um, during the time of my wilderness season that I just referenced, uh, the Lord began to show me that the pursuit of Him is not a posture. Excuse me, it's not an activity, but rather a posture. It's not merely an activity, but it's a posture of pursuit. And when the Lord spoke to me about that, He uh, showed me something about the willow tree that the willow tree was the fastest growing tree because it was the most aggressive water seeker. And you may know in our region, the willow tree is a kind of weeping tree. <laughs> and this is why they could grow in those dry, arid places, uh, the, va the valleys, like the Valley of Baca. And you may be connecting the dots about where I'm going, but if you're not, I'll connect them for you. Uh, the Lord, that in that dry place, that that is paradoxically the place most ripe for growth and healing. That in that place, when we seek the Lord and don't become hopeless, but that we position ourselves in pursuit of Jesus for our strength and our healing, that He will meet us every time. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord. And so, amen. And so, Many of you, I have the privilege and honor of being a part of your healing journeys, and I thank you for that. Um, the reason you're on a healing journey is because you're not being passive. The reason you're in a healing journey is because you are seeking after Jesus and contending, and I want to tell you and encourage you that just in doing that, it's an act of worship. Just in contending and saying, Jesus I put my trust in you. I can't see right now. I don't know how to fix this. I don't feel full of hope. But I'm not basing this on my feelings. I'm not basing this on the trauma, the experiences that I've just experienced. I'm basing this on the truth of your word that you will lead me through this valley. And sometimes, God doesn't pull you out of the valley, but He comes into it with you to experience you 
to encounter you in such a way that he does not just an external work of deliverance from the situation that you're in that hurt you so badly in the first place, but an internal work. And uh, I have a mentor, I didn't plan on saying this, but who says that the enemy is a spade in God's hands to dig deeper wells of anointing in you. I wish I made that up. <laughs> but I receive it. <laughs> and so, um, and uh, yeah, so I'm really feeling that for you this morning, that the Lord is doing this deep work in us as a family on mission, in our individual stories in this season, as part of what He's doing in this season. And so the Bible doesn't just say that we're going, uh, that we're strengthened because we're putting our trust in Him, but that we go from strength to strength. And I just want to declare over you that your valley today will bring you, that your valley today will bring you your healing and healing to others tomorrow. The Lord's creating ministry out of this for you, not just healing in you. And so just want to encourage you with that. As you get in touch, as we get in touch with our brokenness, we can experience God's love, and as we do, we're transformed and can love others better. Well, there's no question that God is the goal of this pilgrimage, this journey, right? There in this psalm, going toward God, who is their ultimate prize. And it says that they're going from strength to strength. And uh, as a family on mission, uh, that is one of our values here, family on mission. Uh, We say that a lot around here. Um, And in that value, it says, there's more room at the table for even more sons and daughters. There's more room at the table for even more sons and daughters. And that phrase, one commentator says, that strength to strength phrase doesn't have to do with getting stronger and stronger as you go, uh, but it also has to do with growing in size as a community uh, as you move toward God, toward this ultimate bliss of being in His presence together. Um, On this uh, property, in our yard here at the church uh, by the lower parking lot, there was a flock of robins about two weeks ago. It was like creepy. It was like hundreds of them just laying all over the, the, the grass there. And, you know, some of you might know this, uh, but I didn't. Looked it up, and it says that at this time of year, they flock together like this to protect themselves from predators. And I thought, wow, what a picture for this strength to strength. That as we pursue Jesus and experience our healings, that the Lord in in healing our emotions and restoring our wills in renewing our minds on the journey can then turn and strengthen our brothers, can protect one another from the enemy's schemes and deceit. Amen. And uh, as I was thinking about an illustration of this, I thought of the Scripture um, about David and his three mighty men. They're in battle against the Philistines, Uh, in the Old Testament, their arch nemesis. And the reason I thought of this is because it's it's in Rephim. This takes place in Rephim where it's really dry and arid. But these acacia trees would still grow there. And amidst these trees, 
in a battle, in a difficult time, David is so thirsty that he could die. And these three mighty men break through enemy lines to get him water and successfully bring it back. And in that, I just see that sometimes we need brothers and sisters to aggressively seek the water for us. And what I'm not proposing is a victim mentality, a narrative of hopelessness like we're always, pers- always going to be that person in the story. But I'm talking about the moments when trauma strikes. I'm talking about the moments when despair and sorrow hit. That we need brothers and sisters who can aggressively seek water for us, who can hold up our arms during those times. And I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but I want brothers and sisters, I want you all to be people who can be strengthened by the Lord and turn and strengthen one another. And I see God doing that in us as a family. The Lord is doing a mighty work here, brothers and sisters, and sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees. So it's worth repeating. God is doing a mighty work of revival among us. I believe we're in the first fruits of this, the first days of this, the first season of this. And the Lord is doing this inner work because He's saying, you can't take that with you on the journey. But, but I will be with you and I will heal you and I'll bring you to a new place so that we can keep moving forward together. Because he doesn't lose one of his sheep. And so it's in the context of community that we worship fully. We don't do it in isolation. We go it together. We hear him better together. And we, the Lord strengthens us, not just in our relationship with him, but through one another. Well, there's a comparable phrase to strength to strength uh, in the New Testament, and it's glory to glory. And the context is the same deal. It's about seeking God's face. Um, And, uh, you know, I talked about the holy furniture that the sons of Korah carried. Um, This holy furniture... um, uh, you know, God's, God's presence, His glory would come. And, and the word glory there is uh, kabod, or weighty presence of the Lord uh, in the Old Testament. His glory would come uh, to certain places, right? The temple, His glory would come. In the Ark of the Covenant, His glory would come. The tent of meeting, the, the tabernacle. But, um, you know, but now the Scriptures say we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in order to worship God fully, we must be filled with God. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Scriptures say, and I've said this in many other contexts, be being filled with the Holy Spirit is how it translates. Continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And even the word worship, a definition of the word worship is to weigh it down. To weigh it down. And sometimes we fall down in our response to God. But other times we fall down in His response to us. Amen? That His glory and His goodness is so great (laughs) that we experience the Lord in such a profound, transformative way um, that we can't but sit or fall on our faces in worship. 
And so I want to read this verse with you from 2 Corinthians about glory to glory. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled faces, faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. This is a picture, brothers and sisters, of the value of beholding Jesus' face. The value of what we did before I gave announcements. Um, and, you know, I felt led in that direction. I didn't do that for this. <laughs> um, you know, and, but that, just esteeming Him, extolling Him, exalting Him, adoring Him, adoring Him and looking on Him, uh, the, David says, gazing upon His beauty, you know, meditating on Him means to gnaw on Him, just to, just to love Him to be with Him. And as we do, we become more like Him. That's the byproduct of it. And, um, and so when we talk about worshiping fully, I'd be remiss not to talk about the value of cultivating this kind of intimacy, you know, with Jesus, of gazing on Him and just getting still, getting in solitude and getting with one another at different times to do this. Uh, but it's so valuable. Um, we worship God fully, as I said before, by cultivating spiritual hunger and consecration. We worship Him fully by pursuing Him for our strength and wholeness. We worship Him fully in community, and we worship Him fully by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, why are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, the purpose and the evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit is holy living, and effective ministry. That your life would be holy. And we've said this in, in different ways, but it's not, we're not talking about following rules and being moralistic. We're talking about spiritual transformation. We're talking about the Holy Spirit doing such a work in you that you're becoming more like Jesus. We're talking about living holy lives under the Lord by the power of God. Amen? And so... When we say holy living, we're not saying, we're not talking about do's and don'ts. The do's and don'ts flow out of a holy life. The do's and don'ts flow out. It's, it's your good pleasure to please Jesus. It's your good pleasure. You're living by Him. It is it, uh, Christ. Um, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. But Christ Jesus lives in me. It's the fulfillment of that verse. <laughs> I live no longer by the flesh, but by faith in the Son of God. What is our faith for the sufficiency of His redemptive work on the cross? Well, that's what we're living into when we talk about worship fully and we talk about getting filled with the Spirit. An effective ministry is just bearing that fruit in ministry that is evidence of discipleship of being discipled by Jesus, of being filled with the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of truth. And so, um, yeah, so how we worship fully uh, is important uh, as we journey uh, in this 
together. And um, it's been a joy to worship fully with you guys uh, as we learn that.